are eyeglasses around the corner. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Mike Elgin, journalist, columnist, author, and gastronomad. Welcome back, Mike. Thanks. Uh, glad to be here again. So I don't know that I've asked you this before, but I think our audience would might be interested. What's, what's life like as a digital nomad? Well, I think uh, it's personally, I think it's the greatest um, uh, lifestyle one could live in this age, thanks to technology and the internet. Um, people can live anywhere as long as they have a job that can be done remotely. And I think uh, one of the things we learned in 2020 and 2021 is that lots and lots of jobs can go remote. So I think a lot of people are sort of revisiting that, uh, that idea of living in a remote place. And I think, I also think people are going through a process where they think, well, instead of commuting through the city to, to, to this big corporate headquarters, I could just work from home. Well, if I'm at home, what am I doing in this big city that's expensive and dirty and crowded? Why don't I move to a lovely place on the outskirts of Austin, Texas, or some other place? <clears throat> and then once they do that, they think, well, what am I doing you know, with uh, Starlink, which is uh, SpaceX's uh, mobile broadband satellite service coming online? Uh, why don't I live in the woods? And if I'm going to be out in the middle of the woods, why don't I live in the middle of the woods in some other country? So people start, you know, will go down that rabbit hole and find their their nirvana, right? It might be staying in the city. It might be going to a rural town or it could be living abroad, which is my nirvana to live in different countries for short periods of time and continuing to do my work. So it's, it's just a fantastic lifestyle. You give up a certain amount of stability. You know, all my stuff that I own is in storage, for example, that's hard for a lot of people uh, to not have access to your books and all that other stuff. But the rewards are endless because you just meet so many interesting people and, and experience a new a new life every couple of months. You claim to be the most bullish, optimistic fan of Apple's mixed reality glasses project. Tell us that story. Okay. So what we know so far about Apple's plans for uh, mixed reality is that they're probably going to come out with a virtual reality like headset that's smaller than your average current VR headset. Uh, but bigger than, you know, something minimalist. And then a few years after that, they're going to come out with something that enables you to use ordinary eyeglasses that could pass as regular eyeglasses that will actually give you augmented reality uh, through your everyday life. And you can wear those all day and you can augment, augment reality all the time uh, in different contexts. And I'm very, very bullish on this because I think that that product, the, the future product, of seeing augmented reality through glasses will replace smartphones in about 10 years, give or take two or three years, um, as the main device that we use every day to connect to the internet, communicate, and do all those things. So I think it's I think it's going to radically transform the world in the same way or the, to the same degree that smartphones did over the last 20 years. And it's going to be a new world, and I think it's going to be a fantastically uh, great new world. I will say one other thing about Apple's plans around VR. I don't mean to say that they're going to come out with something that's going to be primarily used as virtual reality, like like Oculus Rift or something like that. I think the primary use will be augmented reality. And what that means is that it'll have a camera in these glasses and will show you a video. You won't see through these things and see the real world through glass. You'll see a video. And it would be a very high, just some of the rumors are that it'll be two 8K displays 
that you'll be looking at. Very, very high resolution video, but you'll be seeing video. So when you see the real world, you look around, you see the room that you're in, you'll see a real time video of that room with virtual objects placed in that video to give you augmented reality. In the future, with the futurist version, which requires levels of miniaturization that are currently not feasible um, cost-wise, uh, you'll be looking through glass and you'll see the real world directly with virtual objects placed into that uh, field of view using the glasses. So I think that's really the home run for this platform. But in the meantime, uh, in part to, uh, to create the ecosystem of applications, which will be a app applicable to the futuristic glasses, they're gonna come out with these VR-like glasses uh, that are gonna be you know, very sophisticated. But the fact that Apple will do this will mainstream augmented reality or mixed reality, as you say, uh, in a way that no other company can do. Can do. So how then in concept, will this be better than the, and this is going to hurt a little bit, Mike, the failed Google Glass that has already yeah. come and gone? Google Glass is not augmented reality. So, well, I guess it was uh, technically, but, but the difference was that Google Glass put a screen that appeared to your field of view. Um, you know, the illusion was that you had a, like a ordinary sized TV that was 10 feet in front of you. And if you moved your head, that TV would go with your head movement, right? The, the, the stuff that you saw, and they were just, you know, very low res, uh, here, here's a text from somebody, here's a whatever, you know. Um, that was not part of the real world. It was just an extra view of something that you could see that nobody else could see. With augmented reality, the key difference is that they'll be anchored in place. So I believe, I think there's good reason to believe that in Apple's case, um, much of the augmented reality stuff will be anchored with QR codes. So you'll have a QR code, which will, could be a sticker on your refrigerator, it could be an object on your table, but a QR code that will be recognized by the glasses that will not only give the glasses uh, through an internet connection, the data it needs to know what object should be uh, present in that space, but the QR code will also be the anchor. That'll be the place above which the augmented reality object hovers. And so when you turn your head, the virtual object will stay with the anchor instead of moving with your head. And you'll be able to walk around and see the back of it and all that kind of stuff. That, that's a totally different experience from Google Glass, which just gave you this rectangle hovering in space that moved every time your head moved. And so that's a, that's a big, big difference. Uh, the other difference is that Google Glass, as I mentioned, is very, very, very low res. Whereas Apple's uh, augmented reality or mixed reality headsets are very, very high res, higher res than anything anyone has ever seen, uh, any consumer has seen. We're talking two 8K displays an inch from your eyeballs. I mean, this is very, very high resolution uh, video. But are we ready? I mean, people objected to being scanned and having secret information pop up. I mean, you wore them all the time, right? But yeah, I yeah. mean, but but it was to the wearers. It wasn't to the wearers' benefit. It, it was to you know maybe public's privacy. The the um, the the difference is that the virtual reality goggles will have cameras in them, but those aren't something you're going to walk around with. Those will be for sitting at your desk or inside your house for the most part. You're not gonna walk around with these big goggles, 
they'll be used uh, your they'll be used for work for example and i'll give you an a, a idea of an of the, the ultimate killer app in just a second but the the privacy violating aspects of google glass that upset everybody was that people walked around in everyday life all day every day i did it uh with a camera pointing at you when they're talking to somebody right and people just like have this camera you know people don't like that uh, people didn't like that it freaked people out partly because it was very early days and didn't have time to adjust partly because it was just such a new experience and, and an unsettling experience uh, google's uh, i mean i'm sorry apple's um next generation gl uh, glasses that look like ordinary glasses that will look just like these with all the electronics built into the frames won't have a camera right they won't need a camera they'll have lidar which will detect the three-dimensional space around them but they, they won't be able to capture video or photography and so you can wear them every day all day and nobody will be bothered by those things because they won't be capturing uh images and so i think i think they'll skirt the whole issue entirely so how long do you think it'll take before we begin to see the initial versions of the apple product you describe I think there's a 50-50 chance that Apple will, will introduce them at its upcoming events. Uh, when is it? Next month or whenever. Uh, coming up very soon. Up. Uh, I think they'll say one more thing and then they'll say, here's our new glasses. Ooh, it's going to give a couple of specs and then move on. Because I think what they'll do is they'll, they might start a developer program or something like that. And I think, I think we'll, you'll be able to buy them next year. Uh, th these will be a huge product. The Apple fans will go insane for these products and they're going to be actually really interesting and i think the killer app for these products will be meetings there'll be a, a replacement for zoom and here's how i think it's going to work apple has something called bionic virtual meeting room which is a set of technologies that enable you to use mixed reality for having meetings so the idea is that everybody in the meeting is is represented by an a emoji style avatar and what happens is you start a meeting, the glasses will biometrically identify you. So to make sure that the people who you think are in the meeting are in fact in the right people and not a hacker or something like that. And then you'll see uh, people sitting, uh, let's call it a circle, right? sitting around a circle and one person will be appear to be to, to you to be to your right, another one be across from you, another one be across from you on the left, another person on the left. And the visuals and the audio will be such that when someone's talking on your right, you'll be able to turn your head and look at them and make eye contact with their avatar. They will see your avatar. You'll hear the audio coming from that direction. Somebody else will talk and you'll turn and look at that person. Right now, Zoom is very uncomfortable for people because you have a Brady Bunch wall of people looking at you. Even when somebody else is talking, everybody's looking at you psychologically, right? Because everybody's just looking at their camera. Whereas with, uh, with an avatar style uh, holographic uh, representation of the people you're meeting with, when Carl is talking over there, you look around at the other avatars and they're all looking at Carl. And then when I'm talking to Carl, I'm making eye contact with Carl. So it's all very psychologically, it's all much more satisfying. It's also people don't have to worry about, is my house messy? Uh, you know, it's something, do I look weird? You know, whatever, the, all the self-consciousness around video is taken away because we're just represented by a cartoon. And when we talk, it talks. And when you turn ahead, head, it's head talks. So when we smile, it smiles. 
every all the cues for non well most of the cues for nonverbal communication are conveyed uh, in the same way that you know currently exists with emojis with you know iMessage, but it'll be real time holographic video and it's going to be killer. People are going to love it, I think, and so I think that's going to be the killer app for these this this first generation of classes. I love that prediction. All right, Mike. Tell everybody about your book. Okay, my book is called Gastronomad, and it's a book about the lifestyle. So my wife and I are, we call ourselves gastronomads because we, we're digital nomads who live abroad and we do it for the food. That's why we do it. That's why we travel the world because we are such food nerds and we love food so much, want to explore all the, the world of food. So I wrote a book about that lifestyle, the good and the bad, the ugly, everything you need to know, how to make a living, how the economics work of living abroad as a, a digital nomad and everything I've learned over the last 14 years of living abroad as a digital nomad. So that's what my book is called, The Gastro Nomad. You can get it on Amazon and uh, it's a, you know, a Kindle book or a physical book. And uh, yeah, that's the book. Mike Elgin, journalist, columnist, author, and as you mentioned, gastro nomad. Again, that's probably my favorite part. If somebody wants to connect with you personally, maybe they want to sign up for your, um, your fab fabulous and interesting uh, newsletters. How can they do that? I'm on Twitter at uh, Mike Elgin, just my name. And then you can click over to my Substack newsletter. That's uh, called Mike's List. And if you want to check out the Gastronomad lifestyle and some of the other things we're doing in that space, you can go to gastronomad.net. All right. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. And I highly recommend he's quite quirky and you're going to find different opinions than you probably find anywhere else and find and subscribe to more of my interviews right here on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.